a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes Scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. This is then a sanctification, is a daily drowning of the flesh and a a daily rising again of the new man to life. And that is what we call repentance. The law comes to us and shows us our sin, and then the gospel comes and and forgives our sins, and and by that the new man rises daily to life. The point is the forgiveness of sins. I mean, I, I wonder if the gospel was preached in that gray old church. I wonder if the sacraments were rightly administered. Because if it was, that's the point. I wonder if those gray old people needed the forgiveness of sins. It's like putting Vaseline in your eyes before reading the New Testament to be a dispensation. Because <laughs> you can't tell anyway what's up and down. So. You're just trying to get on the Facebook quote page. I'm not entirely convinced that this game we play isn't just out of sheer laziness from the Table Talk radio hosts. What are you saying? The name that game game? <laughs> it's at least sheer laziness from my point of view. I didn't do a single thing for this. Oh, my goodness. By the way, I got a game for we can play right at the beginning. How long do you think it takes to fly from Denver to Madagascar? Are you going to Madagascar? Indeed. Well, depending on if I can find the good tickets. Uh, been there, done that. That's old news hat to me. <laughs> 32 hours and 25 minutes. Whoa. Total? Yeah. Um, That's so, a long time. So when I went, we went from Fort Wayne to Detroit. <laughs> Detroit went through like the druggies tunnel in Detroit where everything's all different colors. You're like, whoa, this is psychedelic, dude. And uh, and so then we flew from Detroit to Paris, which I think was like a seven-hour flight, and then Paris to Madagascar, which is an 11-hour flight. So whatever all that is, that's how long it took us. Where'd you fly into? Do you remember? In Madagascar? Yeah. Um, and Saranana? It's uh, in, Sar- in, uh, in and Sarabe. Saran- is that right? Oh, my goodness. And Saranana. It's been too long. I'm losing my... So anyway, I think I might go over there in uh, in July. Are you going to be like a chaplain for the medical team? I'm going to be like a preacher at the or teacher at the seminary. I think. Oh, That'd nice. Be cool, huh? Yeah. I didn't tell you about that. Good thing we're talking about it on air, catching up. So how are things with you? Oh, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> things are good. I, I've got this rash though. <laughs> That's like the joke we used to play in high school. We were checking out, and we'd ask the guy right as he's paying, so how's that rash you're doing? <laughs> Antonarivo is the capital of Madagascar. That's that's where you fly into. That's the only okay. international airport. So when, okay, we, were, well. when we were there, um, there was a lot of uh, political unrest, and we were really worried that the the those who were staging the coup were going to take over the airport because then we couldn't leave. That was kind of nice. So, so the <laughs> the are, are you going to the seminary in Ansarabe, which is um, south I, I, of there? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know all the details. Oh yet. my don't, goodness! What is this? A pop quiz? I'm all excited. I I loved Madagascar. So, hope you have a good time. Anyway, to the topic at hand, a show uh, we were playing. Name that game game here on Table Talk Radio. We were playing. Guess how long it takes to fly to Madagascar, and you lose. <sighs> You get no I think I did better that. than you. You're like, I don't know, 32. 
Name that game game. And then uh, and then the other question is, uh, oh, yeah, Ten Commandments in the News. That's what we're going to play. And we're also going to play Read That Email. Hit it, Pastor Wolfman. <laughs> oh, that's right. We got a good one because we have the new, brand new email thing. What is that called? <laughs> email cruncher. Criteria, maybe? Which we, we email criteria, which we judge your emails by five criteria. Now, you Wait might have said five criteria. Five criteria. On your last show, your last you announced show, four criteria. You announced four criteria. Well, indeed, but there's a fifth <laughs> secret criteria, which is called the mystery criteria or the Calvinist hidden will of God criteria, which will be announced <laughs> after reading the email. So, okay, so the four, four, four criteria that we have so far are two inside jokes, mockery of the hosts, insult the Calvinist, and keeps it short. So... And then the mystery criteria uh, will be announced after reading this email. So here it is. This is from Randy from Arizona or Arkansas or whatever state is abbreviated AR. Oh, my God. Alaska. Goodness. Don't know. The name of your show is Table Talk Radio, yet you sit at desks, not tables, and broadcast over the Internet, not the radio. Therefore, shouldn't the name of your show simply be Talk? That's a nice suggestion, Randy. Uh, we're going to be changing the no the name of our show to Club Rogue River. <laughs> uh, Randy continues. Or is the current name of your show simply a convoluted attempt to teach the laity about double predestination in that God may have it in his master plan to one day provide you with both tables and a real radio station? Randy from R. Thanks, Randy. I'm, okay. I'm, I'm personally insulted. I am too. That makes criteria two mockery the host. Insults Calvinist, that's in here. It's short. Yes. It has two inside jokes. Uh yes. Mocks mocks Calvinist and makes fun of our show. It gets at least close. There's at least one inside joke and maybe another that I don't get. Now what's the maybe the fact that it's an email cruncher is itself an inside joke. Now what's the The, the mystery hidden, criteria hidden five yeah. is that it it was it, it was supposed to be sent to us. On a with a coffee-colored background color. Oh my goodness! And this email does not. It has a plain white background, and therefore it, it fails. This is a failure. Well, this Outer is darkness of, for you. This is kind of a jip. <laughs> <laughs> what my my mystery hidden will of God criteria? Yeah, yeah. We're Lutherans here. Lot. This is this a, seems to be revealed. This is an object lesson. This is an object. I thought you would like my faith. <laughs> no. You didn't know about the secret criteria. Uh, All right. Oh. That's pretty good. I like it. I, this is a great game. I, by the way, have a voicemail. Do you want to listen to this? Yes. We have uh, four minutes left in this segment, so we can listen to this. Uh, here's a voicemail. Hello, pastors, Gigline and Wolf Miller. This is Eric X. Cathedra from the Cult of Pure Doctrine Boston Beer Party. Um, I had a couple things for you today. One was I was meditating on your wisdom about how Trent had 750 anathemas. They had a dish out and had to be thinking of, of uh, things to call anathema. And I thought maybe the Wolf Mueller School of Comedy could benefit from a spoof on Jeff Foxworthy's You Might Be a Redneck called You Might Be Anathema If, um, where you talk about something that Lutherans believe and then, you know, kind of weave it into, you might be anathema if you believe in salvation by grace 
without work or something like that. Anyway, um, also wanted to let you know we've had a diaspora um, in the uh, Boston Beer Party where Mark Elder, the younger, and I have gone to Lincoln, Nebraska, and Chicago, um, Illinois, respectively. So we will be setting up new uh, chapters soon. Stay tuned for that. But uh, we're waiting for inspiration and uh, holy orders for that. So in any case, keep up the ultra-mediocre, just so-so work, and uh, God bless. Bye-bye. All right, thank you Man, for that. I'm looking through the policy handbook for the cult of pure doctrine, uh, you know, paragraph 17, uh, article 4, and that is about starting satellite chapters or starting new chapters in different places when members move. And I think we need to flush out the policy on that. So I'm going to send that to the cult of pure doctrine legal team. The Yeah, the policy review advice. committee or something like that. <laughs> policy. Yeah, we got a... <laughs> The policy board. This is we got four. We got four committees. At least we got three committees for the cult of pure doctrine here at the home office. The cult of pure doctrine headquarters, CPDH, <laughs> also known as, and uh, and uh, so. Oh, by the way, this is an inside joke. So those of you who are just now listening to the show for the first time, which is everybody, be all of you, mm-hmm. <laughs> no one listens twice. The cult of pure doctrine is a thing that we made up because. At some Missouri Synod Lutheran something or other, <laughs> some guy, some some pastor went up to the microphone complaining about how all these pastors treat their churches like chapters of the cult of pure doctrine. <laughs> and I said, that's a genius idea. <laughs> Go with it. Man, I can't believe he didn't copyright that. I so I asked him, "Hey, you got that copyrighted? Because if not, I'm going to start that ch- cult of pure doctrine." <laughs> did, did you really ask him that? I'm going to be the oh chief. I'm going to be the chief, uh, and I'm going to uh, cult of pure doctrine Aurora chapter. We're going to have T-shirts and everything. That's what we should do. Club Rogue River, sponsored by the cult of pure doctrine, and then, <laughs> and then we uh, we apparently made up a bunch of rules for people to open up their own chapters of the cult of pure. I have the chapter guidelines here on my wall. Yes, what are they? Hold on, I'm getting them down here. Nothing like some legalistic rules. Cult of Pure Doctrine chapter guidelines. By the way, the Cult of Pure Doctrine is copyrighted and trademarked. <laughs> Other, but if, if you would like to use something from the Cult of Pure Doctrine, you can contact our legal team, our copyright division. <laughs> Their committee will review your request. Guideline number one, each member shall subscribe quia to the Christian Book of Concord. Part one B. Didn't you have a a Calvinist ask if they could be in the cult of pure doctrine? Yeah, so they said they're part of the cult of not quite pure doctrine. (laughs) That's that's our Calvinist outreach. (laughs) Uh, Guideline number two each chapter shall consist of at least one person. Guideline number three each chapter shall register with Table Talk Radio at prbw at tabletalkradio.org. That must be my email. Number four, each chapter shall establish at least one ridiculous requirement for membership. Number five, each chapter shall regularly report chapter activities at Table Talk Radio no less than one time a year and no more than once a week. That's even a bit much. Uh-huh. Number six, these guidelines, with the exception of number one, should be considered suggestions. All right, we'll be right back.
Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens, does it still make a sound? Thankful for God's service through the pastors in your life? Then consider attending Christ for Us in the Office of the Holy Ministry, a conference of the Association of Confessing Evangelical Lutheran Congregations, this coming February 25th through 27th in Cedar Falls, Iowa. Visit our website at acelc.net for information on Christ for us in the Office of the Ministry. Register online at acelc.net. If you have comments or questions for us, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. 1-800-385-7652 is a number, as did Eric, Eric X. Catherda. And uh, he gave us this little suggestion about you might be an asthma if. So uh, I think yeah, the right. Wolfmuller School of Hilarity is already on the job. Um, oh, yeah. A course for yeah, that. yeah, that's right. If you think that the ma- sacrifice of the Mass is not a propitiatory sacrifice to take away all sins, you might be anathema. <laughs> I can't believe that said that. It's true. If you think that you're confident that you are saved by grace through faith and have the confidence of going to heaven when you die, you might be anathema. <laughs> now, these are real, by the way. These, these aren't ones you These are real anathemas. Can you believe it? <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) If you think that faith is simply the trust in the promise of God, and by that faith you are declared holy, you might be anathema. (laughs) Isn't there one about reading the Bible uh, on your own or something like that? Yeah. If you think (laughs) that the Bible alone is sufficient for doctrine and clear in what it teaches, you might be anathema. All right, that's all that I can handle on that game. Um, We need to do some buzzwords, though. We almost forgot that. I can't believe it. Let's get on with the show here. I got a buzzword for you, and it is theonomy. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Go ahead. This is according to Theopedia. Theonomy is a view of Christian ethics associated with with Christian Reconstructionism, most noted for its attempt to show how the ethical standards of the Old Testament are applicable to modern society. In, including the standing laws of the Old Testament, as well as its general ethical principles. Hmm. Theonomy. I, that's a new one on me. Okay. Yeah, me too. As a control R on uh, <laughs> Wikipedia. Uh, and as such, also, a seeker-sensitive model <laughs> is my theological buzz phrase for you. That's a buzz phrase from Wikipedia? That's right. Uh, the... Seeker-sensitive model reflects a modern approach to public worship and evangelism whereby a church service is structured in a way that is sensitive to seekers, and it says, i.e., those interested or curious about church. In other words, service or church services are designed to appeal to the unchurched, non-Christian, and attempt to draw them into the church community where they might receive the gospel and be converted. This approach or model has become popular in an increasing number of American churches, perhaps most notably the Willow Creek Community Church and Saddleback Valley Community Church. Seeker-sensitive proponents include Bill Hybels and Rick Warren. So your girlfriend likes Bill Hybels. 
But has she got a big Bible? That's from one of my favorite <laughs> hymns. Now, you know what I say about secret sensitivity? Do, do, do tell. The for this is Romans 3, verse 11, which says, and I quote the Apostle Paul, There is none who understands, there is none who seeks after God. <laughs> In other words, there's no such thing as a seeker. Mm-hmm. That's what it says. Although I think none that, seek I think, after God. No, 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 no. We see we're gonna we're gonna start the new seeker sensitive model because a seeker in the proper sense of the word is someone who has already been uh, uh, converted, someone who's already been uh, regenerated by holy baptism. And what we have today are all these people who are seeking a liturgical historic congregation. And so we're gonna start the seeker sensitive movement in which congregations uh, embrace the historic liturgy. And uh, preach the gospel of Christ crucified every Sunday and administer the sacraments with no silly business. And this is the new seeker sensitive model. How is that the seeker sensitive model? Because nobody will come. No, no, no. Because pe- no there, the, 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 there, there are people, and we get emails all the time at Table Talk Radio that, hey, I'm looking for a liturgical Lutheran congregation, That's but there's not true. one around here. That's right. These yeah, are the seekers. We're always emailing these. Uh, we're, at least we're always talking about emailing these emails to the district president. It's yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> how come you got no? I'm going to. <laughs> now, um, I, now, no, what no I think, church what I think is more interesting about this whole seeker-sensitive model, um, is that it, what it confesses is that what Christians do in worship, um, is, uh, is not, um, has nothing to do with with who Christians are. In other words, if you can abandon your worship so to change it and, and attract other people, then there's nothing unique about what Christians do for worship. Uh, so if I'm going to say, look, um, we want to bring people in, let's completely change our, our worship so people will like us. Well, what you're bringing them into is not church. What you're bringing them into is more worldliness. <laughs> Just it's true. You're not bringing them into anything. You're just relocating them. Hey, what you... Uh, this is this whole thing is that... Um, so the law tells us also what we need, but we say, no, you tell us... This is how, Rick Warren tells a story about how he started the church out there called Saddleback. Why is it called Saddleback? Is there a, is that the name of the town or something? I I really don't know. Anyway. Maybe. Uh, that's a weird name for a church, Saddleback. Don't worry, Theopedia will answer that question for us. You continue. Now, the so he went around the place and knocked on the doors and said, what are you looking for in a church? Dear unbeliever, what are you looking for in a church? And then they made a church to, to fit what all the people wanted. What kind of crazy sort of thing as if Jesus never said, hey, the church should be something like this. Jesus said instead, "Hey, go ask people what we want, and then build a church around that." Right. I mean, that's so just insane. So, so for example, let's say um, our church is going to have a particular outreach to Muslims, and so then I go to all the Muslims yeah. I know and say, "Hey, what would you like in a church?" And they say, "Well, we would like the the Muslim hymn, the hymnal, and we would like to yeah. pray to Allah, and, we, and, we, and we would like a rug uh, a, um, a rug holder by the door when we come in." So I go back to faith leaders. Hey guys, we're gonna have a Muslim outreach. What we're gonna do is we're gonna have prayers to Allah. We're gonna have a rug holder, and we're gonna have the Muslim hymnal. And then we're gonna bring these Muslims in. And then the Muslims come in and say, "Hey, great! Now we're worshiping Allah." And we forgot the whole thing about, "Oh yeah, Christ died for your sins." 
Yeah, but it's that's how that sensitive. works. Yeah, at least, yeah, at least, at least um, it's seeker sensitive. Yep. <laughs> All right, you ready to play name that okay. game game? Yeah. If All right. You want to skip Ten Commandments in the news? We're gonna do that last. I thought. Okay, sounds good. It gives me more time. Here. <laughs> All right. Do you want what's behind door number one, door number two, or door number three? Uh, we are playing name that door. Is that right? <laughs> no. <laughs> it helps if you uh, if you pick games that we've actually played before here on Tabletop Radio. <laughs> well, who knows, man? You invented a new game. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, so door number one, please. Alex? Already, yes, I promise, in Jesus, to be fulfilled by sight on the last day when you're raised from the dead. Does this mean that he never gives you any of the things you ask for in the present? Hardly. He also does this as well, particularly giving the Holy Spirit to those who ask of him for it. I should say for him. But Jesus' point is that when you don't see the prayer immediately being answered, yes, physically, do not lose heart or be discouraged, but... That's it. Oh, there you go. Okay, okay. <laughs> I recognize that voice. That and that choppy style. <laughs> that is none other than the world famous Jonathan Fisk of Worldview Everlasting. That is it. That is and right. he was talking about the Holy Spirit. Now you played some audio there. You could, we could be playing any number of games with this. So we could be playing the game Name That Theologian. We could be playing that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, we could also be playing the game Name That Church Body. I don't think we could be playing. We could be. Oh, we could be playing the game, which ladder, where we listen to some sound and uh, and then say which ladder. But I think the game that we would going to be playing with that is the game thirty nine twenty nine seconds. What is that game called? So, what is the game, 29 seconds? <laughs> You're apparently playing Tip Lock Jeopardy at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah, just to cover my bases. <laughs> we oh, are man. playing the game 23 seconds. Oh, that's what I meant. <laughs> that, was a, that was a scribal error. <laughs> <laughs> Let me look at the variant. That was a textual variant. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're all into textual variants these days too. By the way, oh shoot! But my standard—I was so close. My, my, I had such good intentions. <laughs> my standard in in picking a variant reading is what I like best. You know, I, this, this seems great to me. I, I like this one. This is probably what what it was. They're easiest to preach. Yeah, right. Take yeah. Variant, so in the game 23 seconds, we uh, try to discern if any content is being uh, spoken of. And what I found in that one, uh, f- man, Fisk, when, because every every breath of of uh, dead air is deleted, you get like twice. <laughs> we might as well be playing 52 seconds because uh, in the yeah, time you we go. get 23 seconds of Fisk, that's actually 52 <laughs> seconds of content. Who was saying Sarah? Was Sarah telling me Sarah, our listener named Sarah, that she <laughs> listens to our show on fast forward? Yeah, right. is that, that even even possible? Mm-hmm. That's something. So she's able to cram all the more mediocrity, and so our forty-eight minute show becomes like a twenty-four minute show, which is kind of a blessing, anyway. probably, because then you could get it over with quicker. <laughs> Just it's like yeah, that's right. It's like taking off a band aid. Just yank it off. <laughs> now, what was Fish talking about? 
is the praying for the Holy Spirit. So Jesus sends the Holy Spirit and promise. This is one of the, now this is amazing. In Luke chapter 11, Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray, and he says that the Father will give the Holy Spirit to all who ask him. And then he teaches to pray the Lord's Prayer, which, looking at it, doesn't have a petition, give us the Holy Spirit. But we understand the Lord's Prayer rightly when all of the petitions are, in fact, asking for the Holy Spirit to come to us. All right, we're going to play more Name That Game game here on Table Talk Radio right after this. So tell me what you want to ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. So far here on Table Talk Radio, Pastor Wolfmiller has zero points for uh, the inability to guess that game as we play Name That Game game. And uh, you had a buzzword also. I normally write those down. Oh, here it is. I'm not going to say it because then you'll give me two points and I won't be able to say <laughs> oh, it oh. later. You are getting smart. Okay, so you have two other options left for this game. Name that game. Uh, what is door number two? <laughs> All right. This is uh, PBS uh, Religion and Ethics Weekly. Tubishvat um, is a holiday celebrating trees, essentially. It's the new year what? of the trees. <laughs> Why is Tubishvat in winter? That's a great question. Let's answer that. Because in Israel, what? that's when the youngest plants are starting Tubish? to come alive. The Tubishvat Seder, um, it focuses on eating particular types of fruits and nuts at particular times. So there's four parts, <laughs> and each part represents real. a different season. And all of the fruits that we eat are fruits that are grown in the soil in Israel. So the outside is soft and the inside is hard. What is what? What do we think that represents for spring? An apricot totally counts for that. The Tubishvat Seder is kind of similar to the Passover Seder. Um, The word Seder means order. So just like the Passover Seder, you do certain things in a certain order, and all of that has symbols. Tubishvat Seder has a whole spiritual aspect of it, where a lot of it is looking inward at yourself, and it's looking about being careful about judging others, um, and you relate that to fruit. So a tough exterior, but a very soft inside. One of the main connections between Tubishva and children is, is that it's fun. You know, there's a lot to do. Recycled instruments, and you plant a pot, and you look at worms in a compost bin, and you come eat fruits and nuts, and it's very interactive. A big part of the Tubishvat festival and day is planting trees. There's millions of trees that are planted in Israel every year, and I know a big thing we do in America is you can um, send money or send seedlings to Israel and plant trees. You're eating all these fruits and all these nuts, and you're celebrating in a spectacular place. Um, it kind of reminds you of all the great things and little pleasures in life that like, may be hidden under a very tough, disastrous day in winter. <laughs> All right, that's uh, PBS New uh, Religion and Ethics Weekly. I can't believe that's not like The Onion. But that's a real news story. <laughs> Tibishvat. The Tibishvat Seder. <laughs> Every, I know everyone's totally offended because of, hey, buddy. Hey. <laughs> we just finished celebrating Tibishvat. <laughs> 
Our family has a long tradition of, of Tibishvat. We try to figure out if we're a nut or a fruit. Don't, don't laugh. I just planted a tree yesterday, buddy. I planted a tree in an old tuba. Hey, hey buddy. Nobody's against trees. <laughs> hey, don't talk about trees around my dad. He'll go off. Stupid <laughs> trees living off the government. Taking oh, our job. <laughs> Rocking the sun from my yard. <laughs> All right. Oh, so what what game are we playing today, Pastor Wolf? <laughs> that is just the This episode of Table Talk Radio is brought to you by Tibishvat. I wonder that's gotta mean something in Hebrew. Too bad I don't know Hebrew. <laughs> Tibishvat. Hold on, let me go on Facebook. On Facebook there's people that know Hebrew. I'm gonna ask them to translate. Oh, okay. So now, uh, t- what game are we playing? <clears throat> yeah, collect yourself. My goodness. <laughs> we could be playing the game Ten Commandments in the News, or we could be playing the game... I can't believe that's a real news story. <laughs> that's the. Cr- I can't believe that's a real thing. Is that? Did you check... Do we have we verified on Wikipedia? Well, that I Tibish I heard that uh, Lumpy's on like maternity leave. Haven't seen this guy forever. And <laughs> do you uh, think you spell Tibish Fot with a PH or a F? I I just emailed <laughs> I it to you. <laughs> just check your email. Oh, here, Tubishvat. <laughs> Began anyway, the we're... evening of Wednesday, January. Is it? Is it? I can't. You're just uh, enamored that this is real. <laughs> Look at here. It is is a minor Jewish holiday on the 15th day of Shevat. What? It's also called Rosh Hashanah Lahonat, the tree the new year of the trees? What is this like we're in the Hobbit? <laughs> Look at all the dried fruit. This apparently is our Jewish oh. outreach show. <laughs> this is, is this a... I can't believe this is a real thing. This is just... I mean, this is... You know, you say you learn something new every day you listen to Table Talk Radio. That's the saying. Yeah. Apparently, you learn something new every time you host it. <laughs> all right. going to guess a game or what? This is getting old. All right. This has to be the game either Ten Commandments in the News or... Ten Commandments in the news, casual apologetic game, super game, or which ladder? And I'm going to guess that this is which ladder. Oh, you got it. Way to go. Yeah, baby. 200 points. And Biblical uh, times? So now, which, which ladder what would this, this be? What is this thing? Which is l- there a ladder that's called just kook? <laughs> that's the Hold kook ladder. <laughs> There's a Bible reference. Leviticus 19.24, to bring forth the fruit crops to Jerusalem as a tithe. Well, there you go. The fruit, this is there the it is. thing. You know what's been interesting? about? Well, I'll, I'll let you answer which ladder first, then I'll tell you what's interesting. In, in contemporary Israel, the day is celebrated as an ecological awareness day. <laughs> that's like... <Shock. laughs> that's like <laughs> I never would have thought that this had anything to do with Earth Day. What's the what's but the Earth worst Day thing? is too abstract. It's like you you guys celebrate Earth Day. Oh yeah, well I celebrate Tree Day. Someday there's going to be like Grass Day. That's already in Colorado. 
Flower day. It's like know, rain what, what is day. The, what is the greatest, today's greatest evil? Youth unemployment. <laughs> <laughs> Tree appreciation day. Let's see. Discussion of when the tree New Year occurs was a source of debate among rabbis. <laughs> it's like, oh. Hey, you guys, that's like, you know, Trent, they're sitting around. You got anything to anathematize? The, the, the rabbis are sitting around. Got anything to debate yeah. today? Don't, don't, don't. Let's talk about the tree New Year. Don't talk to those guys. They think the tree New Year began on January 18th. <laughs> Crazies. <laughs> so I think. Um, what ladder is this? There's the three ladders are mysticism, that's uh the touching God on the inside, moralism, which is doing good, and rationalism, which is thinking right things. This is see, this kind of ecological Earth Day kind of paganism stuff is uh is a mixture of moralism and rationalism. I mean moralism and mysticism. It's really it's trying to it's trying to appease a, a misplaced guilt in the conscience by doing good works directed at the environment. <laughs> in other words, the biggest problem that we face in the world is uh, is climate change or whatever. Not enough trees. <laughs> Not enough fruits and nuts. So, uh, yeah, we're going to sort of that those. problem. <laughs> Especially so in then, Oregon and now, Colorado. You're doing your good works by by planting trees and being kind to the earth and picking up your trash and not probably not smoking either. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Now, what I think is interesting <laughs> is that um, St. Paul in Colossians tells us why we had all these festivals in the Old Testament, uh, that they point forward to something uh, greater. I mean, these are just a shadow of something greater. And then he says the greater, the, the, sh- the, the thing that it was pointing forward to is Christ himself. So this is why Paul says not to... Let anyone judge you based upon the Sabbath or the the new moon or these uh, festival days, but these all things point forward to, to Jesus, who is our Sabbath. Um, now, right. what's so sad? What's so sad uh, about um, uh, modern day Judaism is that they're here. They are celebrating these these uh, these festivals and, and whatnot with, and it's pointing forward to nothing. <laughs> you know, so it's no longer with to to teach us about the Messiah or to teach us about Christ. Uh, our, our Lord, who would come into our flesh and save us from our sins, it's just now become a work, just like every other uh, uh, law-based religion. I think you're a hater of trees. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm gonna start practicing this. Did we miss it already? It was last week. Yeah, I'm sorry. Here, you missed out. Dang it! I gotta wait another you, whole you, year. You for better tubish put it on your thought. calendar. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! Well, we this we sound silly. We have uh, one more round of name that game game, and um, we'll have to do that after this upcoming break because it's uh, oh, the, the clips longer than what the what we have left in time. But we do want to remind you that we have uh, many. Op- I mean, look at these opportunities we have for our listener to uh, to contact us here at Table Talk Radio. They could play uh, the the email cruncher game where they email in a question at questions at tabletalkradio.org. <laughs> And they try to make their email match this criteria that we have, uh, you know, like the email being short, offending a Calvinist, offending uh, the Table Talk radio hosts. Um, what was the other one? Uh, oh, inside jokes. You know, this this is good. Yeah. Um, and also the secret criteria. Oh yeah, which the hidden will criteria, which you'll never know. The Calvinist criteria. 
Uh, also, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652, and tell us how you celebrate the year of the new tree. Um, you can also visit our website, tabletalkradio.org. You can click on the tab Howdy. that says store, and you can shop for your very own Club Rogue. Oh, wait, we don't have that yet. We Your very yeah, own Table Talk Radio uh, T-shirt, um, which I I looked the other day, and, and our sales have soared. I think we had two sales in the last year, um, so ah. they've at least doubled. So that's at tabletalkradio.org. After this commercial break, more... Uh, name that game, game, and Ten Commandments in the news. This is Dr. Carl Fakentry, professor at Concordia Theological Seminary. Even though you have no one to blame but yourself, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. So far in this episode of Table Talk Radio, Pastor Wolfner has earned, I'll give you 200 more points for getting the right witch ladder, which brings you to a total of 400 points. And you have one more round yeah. of uh, Name That Game game. And uh, are you ready for that final uh, clip? Oh, yeah. All right. Here's Born Ready. What's here. behind door number three? The term poor countries may have three? an expiration date, at least according to Bill Gates, who predicts there will be no such thing as a poor country in the future. In an annual letter from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the billionaire attempts to dispel three myths surrounding poor countries, that they're doomed to stay poor, that foreign aid is a waste of money, and that saving lives in poor countries means more starving mouths to feed. Gates addressed those first two points in a video, saying over the last half century, poor countries have seen huge progress on health and incomes uh, and aid generosity has been a, a big part of it. So it's a myth that we haven't made progress and that aid hasn't, hasn't helped. And Gates predicts that by 2035 there will be almost no poor countries left in the world. Gates clarified that statement in a footnote saying, specifically I mean that by 2035 almost no country will be as poor as any of the 35 countries that the World Bank classifies as low income today, even after adjusting Wait for inflation. Minute. And that raises the question, if more countries are reaching middle-income status, does that mean they'll no longer need foreign aid? Quartz asked Gates just that, and he said, except for the bottom of the middle-income category, you typically become self-sufficient. Nigeria has moved into low-middle income, but their north is very poor, and the healthcare <laughs> systems there have broken down. India is right on the bottom edge of middle income, and I'd see us for another decade giving to India, despite its characterization. Melinda Gates addressed the third point, saying the belief that poor countries will overpopulate if they aren't starving is a backwards way of thinking. It's because of the high child mortality rate that countries like, say, Afghanistan have high birth rates, and those rates go down as income improves. A writer for Forbes notes the letter had another message, a specific deadline for the Gates' work. That 2035 date also coincides with the year Bill Gates turns 80, a fact not lost on him. It's the third underlying message of the letter, a personal blueprint for the next two decades. For Newsy, I'm Bryce Sander. Newsy! Oh. <laughs> All the sources, one source. Newsy. <laughs> you're, you're embarrassing. Okay, um... There's your there's your last uh, clip for <laughs> name that game. Okay. No more poor countries. 
35 years to be poor, so live it up while you can. <laughs> uh, 20, uh, let's see, not 35, 26 years, right? 2035 20, is the year. 26 years. There's, so the, what is the thing here? Um, there's three myths that need to be broken. The one is that aid is a waste of money. The other is that you don't want to help people because then you have more mouths to feed and you increase poverty. That is a horrible myth. Mm-hmm. What was the first one? Uh, oh, yeah, that poor countries are doomed to stay poor. Trouble is, it seems to me like poor is a relative term, not an absolute term. Well, I think, so, that's, I think that's why he had to qualify what he meant when he says there'll be no poor countries in 2035. Um, that is that none of the, the the poorest countries won't be as poor as what we know of poor today. So of those countries, the, the bank classifies as, as poor they will all be above that level as they are today. So if you don't change the definition of poor, then you won't stay poor. But the trouble is the definition of poor keeps changing, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah, a so thing in the, be the new poor, the poverty line, the new poor, neo-poor. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Jesus says this, the poor you will always have with you. <laughs> That's a promise. I mean, even Bill Gates can't undo the thing. Hmm. So. Let's see. Uh, I think this game is, what is Ten Commandments in the news? No, I'm sorry. It's just Ten Commandments in the news, not what is Ten Commandments <laughs> in the news. All right. I'll give you another 200 points for that. It brings yeah, you a total of buddy. 600. Let's see. So now let's play the game. Let's play. Let's see. We got poverty. That's, uh, that's what we call the Seventh Commandment. That's where it says you shall not steal. Ooh. But especially, ooh, 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 ooh. Poverty has to do with the fourth commandment. Let me explain. Let me explain that. Uh, uh, Luther talks about this in the large catechism, about how uh, the reason why you have poverty is because you have bad rulers. Uh, it's not, so it's the, it's the um, lack of peace and the presence of ty- tyranny that results in poverty. So if you're always going off to war, then you can't farm, and other people are coming in and burning your corn and your house and stuff. Poverty. Now, we see this when the United States will pour tons of resources, millions and billions of dollars to resources into poor countries, but it never actually gets to the people who need to be helped because it's held back by the tyrannical rulers. So Luther says, instead of having a sword on the shield, every prince should have a piece of bread on his shield uh, because by keeping the peace, he actually provides for people's welfare. So uh, Seventh Commandment, Fourth Commandment, keeping people alive, that last myth, the idea that if you help someone, you therefore keep them alive and therefore you make things poorer because you have more mouths to feed, is a myth. It's the idea that people are only consuming and not producing, and it's a materialistic view of the world as if there's only enough resources to feed a certain amount of people, and so we worry about population. The point is, people actually come with the ability to work. <laughs> so, so the more people there are, the more stuff there is provided for people who are there. So that is Fifth Commandment, and the whole the whole myth of overpopulation has to do with the Fifth Commandment, and I suppose also the Sixth Commandment, because to stop population, you have to stop having babies. So, uh, fifth commandment. Now, probably there's a little bit of first commandment here, uh, also in that our hope is then is not though in God, but in man's ability to change the world, and that uh, will 
roll over to the first commandment. Nice. Well so done. So what do we have? First, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh? Yeah, good job. Now let's play Ten Commandments in the News. <laughs> we have four minutes left here. <laughs> Aha, I get it. I get what you did there. Well, I got one. I got a ton of crazy, nutty emails or uh, news stories, but here's one since we're on a Bill Gates theme. Bill Gates is in favor of pot legalization in Washington. Here it is. Bill Gates voted for marijuana legalization in Washington. That's the headline. Now, if I could get my computer to go down here. Aha. Bill Gates wants to see Washington State experiment with legal pot. According to BuzzFeed, Gates voted in favor of his state's 2012 referendum to legalize marijuana, feeling that some states should assess the policy before similar plan is implemented at a federal level. It's an experiment, says Gates, and it's probably good to have a couple of states try it out to see before you make the national policy, Gates tells the aptly named BuzzFeed. Though Gates didn't actually think that the 2012 referendum would pass, he's interested to see what would happen now that its full effects are approaching. Interesting. There you go. So um, what what we're going to come in contact with when we are dealing with this whole issue, um, particularly in Washington and Colorado, and maybe you should be speaking of this. You have more knowledge of this than I do. But, oh, yeah, um, I know all about it. <laughs> Uh, when, when we're talking about drug use, we're talking about the Fifth Commandment because um, we're using substances or drugs that um, harm the body. Now, it's these these like pro marijuana arguments are are. I mean, I'm not sure many of them are validated. You'll hear people say, "Oh, well, you know, marijuana does less damage on you than tobacco," which I'm not sure that that's true. Um, I'd like to see some some data on that. Um, yep. and, and some other things too. So, uh, first we have the fifth commandment and then in, in dealing with making this kind of thing legal, we're dealing with the fourth commandment because there's a government who's telling you that you shouldn't do it. Or you have a government saying that you shouldn't do it, but we're not going to enforce it if you do something like that. Um, we always deal with the first commandment that we are, uh, cre- creatures of our, of our Lord. And we, uh, if we put something, um, above our God, like something that would cause an addiction, um, that would be the first commandment. And the other thing, too, uh, this isn't maybe linked to a commandment, but the other thing that we want to talk about uh, with this, too, is is whether this use of marijuana is going to lead to other serious drugs. Uh, so you, you legalize the use of marijuana, and everybody is just having a fun time, um, you know, eating Cheetos or whatever. And then, then it leads to maybe uh, getting some other other drugs like uh, you know uh, meth or or cocaine or whatever. So uh, there's a lot to be discussed there, um, and I, I don't think it's quite as simple as maybe some people make it. Uh, Pastor, we have about yeah. a minute left. If you have a, a comment on that, well, I think so. And we've talked about this before about how the, the danger with drugs is that it hardens the conscience, so it leads to you know whatever kind of temptation your flesh has. Um, uh, you know, when you when you're high or you're drunk, that starts to escape and get out, and this sort of thing. And apparently, with marijuana, it's an instant sort of thing. It's not like you drink one beer and two beers and three beers, and it has a gradual sort of effect. But with marijuana, the effect is almost instant, and that cannot be good. I mean, anytime we're doing anything to harden our conscience, uh, that is bad news. I'm against it. Yeah, I think that is an important distinction. So it's possible that we could enjoy. 
um, the first article gift in drinking a beer, um, but to not partake in it to the point that it it um, uh, low, lowers or, or as you said, harden our conscience or uh, removes our the use of our faculties. Whereas marijuana is gonna, I mean, there's no way to utilize or to use the drug without it um, uh, affecting us in that way. So. Yep. I think that's it, and uh, congratulations, Pastor Wilma, for winning this round, and also, thank you for listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm sending all my points, by the way, to the poor people in Africa. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before I'm listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm going to bring him with me to Madagascar. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, pain, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, oh, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. 